You're listening to ReachMD XM167, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to part two of a two-part series covering highlights from the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions 37th Annual Conference held January 21st through 24th in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Lawrence Sherman, Senior Vice President for Educational Strategy at Prova Education and the host of Lifelong Learning, heard here on ReachMD. Joining us now is Dr. Katherine Grichnik. Dr. Grichnik is the Director, Center for Educational Excellence at the Duke Clinical Research Institute. She's also the Associate Dean for Duke CME and Professor of Anesthesia at Duke University. Welcome, Dr. Grichnik. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, I found the topic of your mini plenary very interesting, and I think it's something that we really need to think about more, and that's that interdisciplinary, interprofessional learning environment. Uh, what do you think practicing physicians should be thinking about when they're selecting the education that they participate in, and should they be looking for things that feature the system or the team? Well, I think education has undergone a radical change over the last um, yeah, even two years, I would say. Uh, no longer are we focus solely on one disease process or one particular area, but we're much more focused on the team-based approach to learning. And a team-based approach for learning encompasses not just the medical care team, but also the patient and all of the stakeholders within the patient's realm. So if you don't look at a team-based approach to learning, you actually don't get the effect that you want. It may be, it may be wonderful to learn all about hypertension and what drug is the best drug out there for hypertension in your particular patient. But if they don't take it, what does it matter? Or if it doesn't get given on time, what does it matter? Right, so it's not the who, but the why, and teaching the how, I guess. And, and interactions among teams are, are not a given. They're something that actually need to be learned and practiced. And they especially need to be learned up and down hierarchies. Because in medicine, there's a lot of hierarchical behavior and attitudes, and I think that the team-based learning especially addresses that. It, it's okay to say, stop, I don't feel comfortable with either what's happening or this medication, maybe the dose isn't right. Um, often people see things who may not feel empowered to say something about it. So team-based learning and and an interprofessional approach to learning is actually the best way to do things. You know what I was thinking when you were saying that? I was jotting down some notes. It's sort of the team is vertical, but the patient journey is horizontal. So you almost have a 90-degree angle between the two things that are happening. The patient journey is definitely horizontal, especially from the time that they may have a symptom or a problem to the time that they actually get home and back to their care environment at home. So it may be a vertical journey within uh, the hierarchy I just said, as well as a horizontal journey for the patient, but we must not forget the intergenerational journey as well because within any medical care system, you're going to have learners. And those learners may be new learners, they may be medium learners, for lack of a better word, or, or learners who are very experienced but haven't been so experienced in, in this, this uh, group approach or this team-based approach to education. Well, that's very interesting because I bet we have different generations listening to us right now. Um, have you, is there literature on any differences between learning styles and preferences between the generations? Well, I'm not sure that the literature supports one single study or even a couple of studies uh, in this arena, but I think we all can acknowledge that there's differences between our Gen Xers, our Gen Yers, our Millennials, our Baby Boomers, and we all are in a learning environment together now. And actually, more importantly, we're in a practice environment together. And we... I think can acknowledge that our younger generation, our medical students, our residents, our fellows, and our early practicing physicians 
They don't go to didactic lectures the way we did. That just doesn't happen. They are very dependent on, we are very dependent on our, our handheld devices. We're very dependent on uh, learning on the go when we're walking, uh, using our computers, uh, using our iPads, our cell phones. And I, I think that sometimes that's even the best way to do it because then we can also have point of care learning. And you can actually look something up as you need to, when you need to find out that information. Well, well, clearly that's where the need arises, and you shouldn't have to wait till you get home or say, hold on, I'll be right back. You can involve the patient in the experience, involve them in the decision, and they see that they're getting the right information. It used to be a generation or two ago that, that there was trust with whatever was said. Now there's validation of the trust because of consultation of resources, I think. Oh, I think that's an excellent point because I was more thinking about the physicians as walking in a group down the hall and, and learning as they go. However, I think that it's probably uh, just as important to be learning when a, uh, in front of the patient you know, and say, oh, well, I'm not sure exactly about the, this particular drug that you just mentioned, but let me look it up. We're going to check it right now to make sure that it's the right drug for you. I think that's, that's probably right. I'll, I'll take that one step further. You also have the, the smarter patients and caregivers who are coming in with the printouts, and part of what we have to teach uh, our physicians, our, our listeners here, is what's the right way to respond when somebody comes in with the right information, the wrong information, a mix, or something that's so totally off that you have to explain to them why they were wrong. Well, I'll bounce that one back to you. What is right information and what is wrong information? Because from the patient's point of view, it may, they may not know how to validate a study. They may not know how that the information on one web page is more credible than another web page. And I do think it's our job to consolidate that information for them. And then we, the best we can actually do is give them our opinions based on our experience and judgment. And I... I like that approach because that says that, yes, I've looked at the literature. Yes, I've looked at all of these um, variables, but I'm going to come up with, with what's best for you based on everything that I know and, and incorporating what you know. Do you see differences when you do interprofessional education within a closed system or within an environment where you have people from multiple systems participating? Case in point, you know, if you teach just the folks that work in the operating room, versus folks that may work in three different departments within a hospital or people who come from three different hospitals within a health system? So uh, that's a really interesting question because I do think there's um, team building that goes on within a microcosm, let's call it, within a hospital, which I work in an operating room and um, there is a huge microcosm of people who are very interprofessional who work intergenerational and interprofessional who work in an operating room. However, I think what you're alluding to is a system of care. And a system of care would be when you first come into the hospital, what's that point of entry, who do, who's the first person you see, as well as all the people and all the systems uh, and all the interactions that you have all the way through your journey, your hospital stay, and again, back to that transition either to your home or to a, a longer care setting. So as we wind this down, uh, I'd like to ask you what one or two points you think our listeners, the practicing physicians and other healthcare professionals, should think about when considering the education that they're going to participate in and what they should select, maybe considering the role of interprofessional learning. So I am a firm believer that we have a big shift away in our education from um, the normal didactic sort of a lecture-based um, format. I believe that there's much to be gained from learning the basics on your own, 
I shouldn't have to tell anybody what systolic blood pressure is or diastolic blood pressure in, the, in, in a meeting. I just shouldn't have to do that. I should go to a meeting with my colleagues who are interprofessional and solve problems. Do case-based discussions, solve problems. And in point of fact, that's what most people like anyway, is, is understanding the different kinds of problems that are out there. But if you don't solve problems and as a team and acknowledge that the entire team has something to contribute, then, then I think you lose something when you actually get to the real problem uh, in, the, uh, in the hospital. I think those were some very valuable points. Thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Part 2 of Conference Coverage Highlights from the 37th Annual Alliance for Continuing Education and Health Professions Conference. I'm your host, Lawrence Sherman. Here with me now is Dr. Jack Keyes. He's the incoming vice president of the Alliance for Continuing Education for Health Professions. He's also the associate dean for continuous professional development at the University of Cincinnati. Jack, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Lawrence. You know, what I really wanted to talk to you about today was... uh, Just a little relaxing talk about the evolution of CME, continuing education for health professions, and the impact on practicing healthcare professionals. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I I do. Uh, And a lot of it, uh, I think you see reflected in some of the changes that the Alliance is undergoing at this meeting, you know, including a change in its name. Uh, We're expanding uh, our reach uh, beyond physicians only. I think that we are clearly recognizing that healthcare as a team sport uh, is going to be benefited by education across the entire spectrum of providers. And um, that is a little bit different than many physicians have typically seen. And they are starting to see that their practice is now a much more integrated and perhaps uh, much less one-man show or one-woman show. Well, yeah, you know, I've noticed that there's a lot of CME happening now that's not that snapshot moment in time, but it's really about the, uh, sort of the, the time course management of patients. So I, I've seen movement uh, of we're not doing education about a disease, we're doing education about the management of a patient. So that sounds consistent to me with what we're seeing. It is very much a process, and I think physicians, uh, as well as other health care providers, as they are caring for patients, are seeing that their decisions and the outcomes of their decisions are one piece of a much more complex, integrated process that the patients experience, and now they're starting to recognize they're experiencing it as well. So um, do you see the healthcare practitioners, the healthcare professionals, um, requesting education that's multi- or interdisciplinary? Some of them, I think, are requesting it. You know, they they come into it with the idea not so much that they want uh, this piece of knowledge or the latest guidelines. What they want to do and what they're feeling pressured to do is I need to move the care of these types of patients from here to someplace else. And I need to know how to best do that. And it's not changing a medication. It's not having another procedure. It's a much more integrated, complex process, and I think they recognize that. Right, so we need to have the education mirroring their clinical needs. That's correct, and that's often a challenge for us because we we have been traditionally in the information business. We have given, you know, we have looked at our role as improving their knowledge and thereby improving their practice. Now I think we're seeing that 
the practice of, of caring for patients is infinitely more complex, and we need to be, as educators, more aware of what those complexities are. Are you seeing, um, as we're getting more and more millennial physicians, are you seeing the, the types of education that they're used to in medical school today driving them to look for different types of continuing education? I, I think some of them are. Uh, I, I would love to be able to tell you that medical education has made great strides in the last decade. Um, I, I feel comfortable saying it has made strides. I'm not so sure I would say great but I do think that medical schools and, and nursing and pharmacy and other schools are recognizing that they need to be turning out professionals and providers with a different skill set than they did 20 years ago. And a lot of that is team-based, and a lot of that is understanding the environment in which they're practicing. What do you think uh, the biggest obstacles to uh, the next step in the evolution of continuing education and health professions are going to be? I think one of the challenges we have is that we are moving our profession into uh, a broader environment. We used to be somewhat isolated, and I think as we are recognizing that we need to be part of a larger healthcare delivery system, the challenge for us is to learn that system, learn that environment, and make decisions about where we can best contribute. But we're not going to be able to make those decisions until we understand what that environment looks like. So we're, we're assessing a different type of need then, aren't we? Absolutely. And, and for the most part, it's our need. You know, we're finding ourselves being pulled into or running into a quality improvement, a performance improvement, a complex um, system where we're looking at health economics and barriers and all of these things. And this is not an environment that many of us are used to being, uh, are used to working in. So it's, it's sort of like systems-based education and evidence-based education, I think. It, it is very much like that. Uh, it's also sort of trial and error. You know, we find ourselves in these environments, and, and as we look around and we don't understand the language of the people that are around us or we don't understand some of the decisions that are being made, we're challenged to, to learn those things, and we're going to have to learn them, I think, pretty quickly. It's interesting. So to, to wrap it up, uh, what are some thoughts you have as sort of uh, one of the leaders of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions um, as far as where you think continuing education needs to go in the next five years? Well, I think uh, the, the integration of what we are doing, and, and Dr. Diamond this morning I mentioned some of these, uh, becoming familiar with other organizations that are focused on quality and improvement and broad systems-based care, we need to reach out to them. We need to work with them. Uh, I think our challenge is going to be to find the partners, our natural partners out there in the environment, and to be able to sit at the table as a good partner, bringing ed sound educational principles to the table and, and be able to apply them practically as a full partner in, in the, the whole world of improving patient care. And do you think those partners can come from outside of the world we typically live in? I think those partners are outside of the world that we typically live in. And I think our world, it, it just uh, in the last couple of years, I would say our world has greatly expanded 
we are we, we're in the middle of a much bigger, much more complex environment than we have traditionally been in, and uh, I think is tremendous opportunity. And we have a lot of talent and resources that I think our partners will appreciate and hopefully will take advantage of. Thanks, Jack. Always good to talk to you. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Good talking with you. This has been part two of conference coverage highlights from the 37th Annual Conference of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. I'm Lawrence Sherman on ReachMD XM167. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.